right, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Just a little recap. Obviously, uh, we're still doing Fundamentals of the Faith. This is the fifth fifth lesson this, uh, this quarter that we're going to do of this. Um, we want to look back real quick. Uh, some of the things that we've already talked about. If you remember the first class, we talked about the authority in the religion and where the authority comes from. Uh, the next the next one, we talked about the two different covenants, the, the old and the new covenant. Uh, Clint took us through that. And then we've started on, uh, then we did the divine origin of the church, where it came from. And then last week, Clint discussed with us the distinct nature of the church, uh, he informed us that you know it, uh, it it means that we're the ones that are called out. We're the called out ones to be that we're when we're part of that church. Um, he referred to the church as a body, a family, a kingdom, uh, a bride, uh, a temple, a vineyard, a flock, and an army. Um, so that brings us to uh, today's lesson, which we're going to talk about is. Um, the unique identity identity of the church. Um, we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, but I wanted to just bring up again, you know, I know some of this sometimes may feel like um, it's, it's, basic, it's basic stuff for, for people in this room. But ultimately, if you think about it, sometimes it's just really good to go back to the basics uh, and, and kind of get an understanding uh, from that baseline and... Uh, and to hear it all together at once versus just bits and pieces or assuming that we know everything there is to know about it because obviously that wouldn't be the case for any of us um, because we learn something every day. So that being said, um, I have a handout. If anybody would like a handout, maybe I can get somebody to pass these out. We'll try this this week and see how that goes. I'm not going to promise there'll be one next week. Thank you, Chuck. Thanks, Jeremy. But maybe help you to follow along a little more, uh, and uh, you know, with my rambling, sometimes keep keep you on track with me. So let's talk about the unique identity of the church. Um, how many churches are there? There's one church, right? And we got to under and to understand that unique identity of the church, uh, it's important that we understand the singular nature of the church, and that there is only. One church. Matthew 16:18 tells us that, um, uh, that that there's one church. When Jesus tells us that there's only one church, and He says, "And I tell you, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it." So again, His church. There's just one church, uh, not plural. Um, let's see. He He promised to build His church. Um, uh, and he used the singular form of the word church uh, from the beginning. He didn't say anything about churches as in plural. Right? So once we get these handouts, I'll let you know so you can follow along. So, uh, but the first one, obviously, uh, there's only one church. Uh, so we need to make sure that we are all... Well, I know we all know this, uh, but it helps us to start and establish that baseline, like I said. Who else taught us that there's only one church. It's Paul saying in Corinthians 12, he talks about there, he says, For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. 
All right? And then in Ephesians 4, also, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. The body referred to uh, the church, the same, and uh, therefore there's just, just the one. And let's see, the, uh, the unity that is required by the church for his church demands that there is only one church. Uh, again, um, how, can there, how can there be unity, if you think about it, how can you even have the word unity when you have multiple churches, right? That's why, that's, that's also wrong. That's why we know that there's just the one church. Um, Christians are to be united in one body, which is the church of our Lord. And uh, Jesus even prays, prayed that the Christians uh, in John, if we go to John 17, he mentions that uh, all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us. Uh, so that, imp- that implies, again, there's just, just the one church. Um, the Holy Spirit begged Christians to speak all the same thing too, right? And that there be no divisions among us. That's the kind of unity demanded by the church. Um, And in nowhere in the New Testament did it ever say anything. uh, There's no such thing as joining the church of your choice mentioned anywhere. Sorry, I'm having trouble with my collar. Uh, Joining the church of your choice is anywhere in the New Testament. We don't see that anywhere, uh, so that's something that we need to uh, keep in mind and make sure that, you know, I know that we know that, but um, there's a lot of people who don't, who don't realize that. Um, I'm just curious, does anybody have any thoughts? What are the thoughts, your thoughts on why there are so many denominations in Christianity? I don't have the, I don't have the answer, you know, there's, there's no right answer, I guess. There's a bunch of right answers. Uh, but why would there be so many? Doing it my way? That's right. Um, you know, it was predicted, right, that this would happen. Uh, Paul predicted it, right, in Acts 20, uh, 29 through 30, also in, in Romans 10. Um, you know, he warns us that this was going to happen. But uh, the Lord adds to those who are saved to his church, um, not whatever church you choose. Uh, I read somewhere, not just while I was doing some study for this, I was just kind of curious, and it, it's mind-blowing. Uh, for Christianity, there's over 45,000 denominations for Christianity right now. And that's, that's insane. And it's all, uh, there's over 2 billion people. I also saw a prediction, and this is just a prediction that was being made that um, Islam was catching up to yeah. Following a man more than the word. That's right. And I think that happens too a lot outside uh, outside of the churches of Christ. You know, that's that's what happens a lot. And I'm not saying that that probably doesn't happen within the church of Christ. Yeah, turn the church into a business. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. But that's a good point. You know, we think about some of the divisions uh, and, you know, denominations uh, being started you know, long before us. But, you know, it's it's still occurring. You could see it. They pop up all the time. You're like, I don't even know what that church. I've never heard of that church before. Um, but it's it just, uh, can you imagine if, if there's two billion people that were actually all following the same? 
that would that kind of unity there would be the power that we would have uh, at that point, you know, of being able to continue to reach more would just be uh, astronomical. Um, the Church of the New Testament is definitely uh, pre-denominational, and uh, as it, you know, centuries before man-made denominations even came on the scene, uh, that's when uh, the church was started, started, and all Christians were members of that same church. Um, you know, finding the Church of the New Testament requires that we disconnect our minds from man-made religions and philosophy, and connecting our minds to what? To God's plan, you know. That's that's what we have to. That's what we have because um, Christ didn't die for denominations, right? He didn't die for. He died for His church, and the goal of you know every one of us, every the goal of every serious Bible student uh, should be that we read and study the Word, um, and study what that new church is, so that we can search for it and um, diligently restore that church. Anybody got any questions or comments before we move on? I just have one more quick question. Um, this is just thought-provoking, you know, something that I, a couple questions maybe. Um, if the Bible's so clear, like we see it, it's it clearly, the, you know, details what the church is and, and how it's supposed to be. Where's the confusion come from? I know we, we've touched on it a little bit in here, but where does the confusion come from that allows it to happen? Besides, um, you know, just following, following, uh, you know, a, a man or following a group or a different organization, uh, what causes that? I mean, how do people? I think sometimes to myself, I'm like, how do they not just see it? You know, but then I think back to myself um, before I became a Christian is. I was, I was just like the people that I'm questioning now. Um, I, I had an idea what religion was. Uh, you know, I, I knew what everybody was talking about and saying, but I didn't really pay any attention to it. You know, it wasn't part of my life at that point, and denominations just seemed normal. I just thought that's what religion was. Um, but now that I know the truth and I'm able to do something about it, it's, uh, it's, it, it's good to know that we have that that confidence in what our faith is and where the church comes from that we're a part of so that we can go and tell other people about it. Um, you know, I think about reasons that people sometimes don't see the truth and things that came to mind were just, you know, like I was, ignorant of the, of the topic, ignorant of religion. I just didn't know anything. Um, also, I've thought about family history. You know, where did people grow up? What did they, uh, what did they see? What did grandma and grandpa, mommy and daddy tell them? Um, lifestyle. Some people definitely choose a church based on the lifestyle they want to lead. And then uh, I would say maybe just going with the flow sometimes. It's where they've been. It's easy. Maybe they've seen the truth. Maybe they've heard it. I've got relatives who I, you know, I know who have even said they don't really believe what their church is telling them, but that's just where they go to church on Sundays, uh, which is which is sad to think about that. But it happens. It probably happens a lot more than we than we think about. All right. Um, I want to talk about a few identifying marks that we can note about the Church of Christ uh, that make it unique and uh, will help us to establish our understanding of the church. 
that first identifying mark, the church was founded by who? Christ. Christ built the church of the New Testament, Matthew 16, 18, right? Who purchased the, the, the church of the Christ? Or the church of Christ, right? Acts 20, 28, that's when he purchased it. Jesus is also the head of the church of uh, the New Testament. You can find that in Ephesians uh, 5, 3. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and his body of which he is the Savior. Jesus is the lawgiver of the church of the New Testament. That's in John 12:48. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. Jesus is the lawgiver. It was founded by Christ, and that's identifying mark number one. We all know that. We all understand that. But if we keep these identifying marks in our head at all times, it's easier to speak about these things to others. I really feel like this class, though it's great for us individually to have this for a baseline and to just kind of regroup where our, our faith is, but it's going to help us to be better evangelists and to bring more souls and, and have confidence when we're talking to others that our faith is the correct faith. All right, identifying mark number two, or B, I guess. Um, the church was founded upon Christ. Jesus is the foundation upon which the church was laid. That's in 1 Corinthians 3.11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is in Jesus Christ. Jesus, I mean, sorry, Jesus is the chief cornerstone, still in the church being founded upon Christ. Jesus is the chief cornerstone upon which the church was established. And then also, Jesus' deity is the rock upon which the church was built, Matthew 16, 16 through 18. Um, So we understand that it was founded by Christ, and it was founded upon Christ. Uh, Some of this we talked about a few weeks ago when we talked uh, about... um, what was it? Uh, what was the, what, the distinct, the divine origin of the church, right? I know you all remember that, but that's what we talked about then as well. Any comments or questions on the church being founded by Christ and the church being founded upon Christ? Thoughts? Yep. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up how Matthew 16 uh, keeps coming back up to Glenn. I appreciate the comment as well, but. Um, those are the type of things that help me. You know, if, if I want to have the confidence to be able to talk to someone, uh, knowing where to go in the Bible to talk about certain things, um, that'll give you the confidence. And it, you're not going to be able to remember everything and everywhere to go. You know, we're not all Neil and Hiram, so, but we can have those things in our back pocket that will kickstart us and get us going and engage in the conversation and to do it properly and appropriately. And of course, always. Uh, with love and compassion, but uh, you know, but knowing where to go, that's what we can have. Things like that, Matthew 16, 18. When you're talking to someone who's of another denomination, I mean, it's it's hard to deny what the Bible says unless you just want to completely ignore it. Any other comments? Yep, absolutely. The next, ad- go ahead. Yeah, I agree with you, and, and it's 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 hard for me to understand, but it's also not hard for me to understand if I actually be honest with myself when I put my you know back in my old self shoes of 
you know, just not knowing enough about it. But think about people who do know about it, the people who fall away or the people who go somewhere else. I mean, that's, that's sad. You know, it's, it really hurts when you think about the people who you've lost, um, who've gone either now they're not going to church at all anywhere or they're going to another church. But, you know, if they grew up in the church, the deck, the deck was stacked in their favor to begin with, and they fell away. But it, you know, I guess it, it happens. But that's, I think that's one of the sadder things. Russell, that's right. You're picking, you're choosing your, your religion based on your lifestyle versus the other way around. And you know, that's right. And all those other denominations are like you said. There are ways to make. Uh, to have your cake and eat it too, kind of thing. It's like, well, I could still call myself a Christian and be, you know, what led to a lot of those, but also just some confusion and, and things like that and, and bad teachings. But that's right. And you said read just enough to um, to make yourself feel better. Uh, this quick story. I don't know if I've never been to a Catholic service or anything like that to see how that goes. But I had a, a guy who was friends in the, in the military where. You know, we kept up for many years afterwards, and one day I was having a conversation with him about it, and uh, he's going to Catholic service, and um, I can't remember what the topic was that we were discussing, but I told him, I said, well, you just, just read the Bible about it and see what you think for yourself, and then it, it was a little while later, he, got, he sent me back, he goes, you know what, nobody's ever told me to read my Bible. You know, like he gets to church and there was, he said, there is a scripture in the pew that they're going to be discussing. And they're, they're, they, that's all they have. That's that's the context that they have it in. And then they're told uh, what they're going to do. I don't know if that's the same with, with all of them. I've ne- like I said, I've never been there. But it was that idea of um, not reading the Bible for yourself and understanding it for yourself or just having a broad overview of what somebody else is is telling you. Has anybody, anybody had any experience or thoughts on that? I've, I have heard that one. Um, we hear that one in, in the family a lot, right, Cass? I've never seen. It's a completely different attitude towards um, religion and God altogether. Yeah. Well, you know, obviously we've got the work cut out for us if we want to try to save everybody in all the different denominations. Um, but we can only do that if we're prepared and if we understand what it's doing. So that's why I think this is a good class to kind of just uh, regroup on um, and understanding what it is that, that the church is that we, that we call ourselves a part of and that we are a part of. Um, so moving on to other identifying marks, um, you know, we talked about it being uh, founded by Christ and being founded upon Christ. Uh, where was it established? We talked about this uh, two classes ago. Where was the Church of Christ established? Jerusalem. Jerusalem, right? Yep, that's right. So that's the next point. Um, So uh, it was prophesied that it would be established in Jerusalem, right? In Isaiah 2, um, I don't want to read that whole one, but Isaiah 2, 2 through 4, if you read that, that's uh, where it was prophesied that it was going to be established in Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus even instructed his disciples um, uh, to begin his work in Jerusalem. And then uh, the church uh, came into existence in the city of Jerusalem. If you read Acts 2, uh, that's where we learn about the establishment of the church. Everything before then uh, was telling of the church to come. And then from that point on, the church was reality, was in existence. 
uh, in Acts 2 after the, uh, at the day of Pentecost when it was established, like Chuck says. All right, so it was established in Jerusalem, and it was established on the day of Pentecost. All right? If, if you think about it, going back to these others, uh, if a church uh, is saying that it's being founded uh, by someone uh, other than Jesus, it's obviously not not the church of Christ, uh, the tr- true church of the New Testament. Uh, if it's not founded upon, if it's got a different foundation other than Jesus, then you know right there, that's how to identify That's not the church of the New Testament. Um, if it was supposedly started in a different place, not the church of the New Testament. And if it was started at a different time, not the church of the New Testament. All right? Any thoughts on that about the, uh, the location? I know we talked about that a couple weeks ago, but the location and the, uh, and the time, um, I mean, that, that really is what it is. There's, there's no arguing with that when you read the Bible. Those things are there. Um, so just, uh, those are, that's the first four of the uh, identifying marks of, our, of the Church of Christ. The next one would be um, that it wears the, the name of its founder, Right? And its owner and its savior, which is what? Church of Christ, right? Um, any other church, it's, it's not Christ's church, so it's not the church of the New Testament. There are several designations that I have here um, to, to discuss. And designations, I mean, uh, ways that uh, Scripture refers to uh, the, the church that's found in the New Testament. Does anybody want to take a stab at these? There's probably, i got like 10 or 12 of them here. Um, you think of things that it uses, that the Scripture uses to refer to um, the church of the New Testament, besides, obviously, the church. We talk about the church. Uh, we know it's, what else are we, what else could we identify in the Bible when it's referring to the church? The bride, that's good. Uh, what else? The body of Christ. Church is a family, that's right. It is definitely a family. Um, what about um, the Church of God? The Church of the Living God? The Church of the Firstborn? The Church of the Firstborn? Yeah. Um, uh, that's in Hebrews 12. Um, churches of Christ from Romans 16, 16. Also, what about the Kingdom of Heaven? Right? It's in Matthew the kingdom of God, uh, even here in Colossians 1, verse 13, what about the kingdom of the Son of his love? And then there's also the house of God. So there's probably more uh, that we can use, but these all refer to the same singular church, the church that Christ established um, in Jerusalem on Pentecost, and that's his church, and it bears his name, right? That's the authority. All right, the next mark. Let's identify one more, uh, a couple more here. Um, the church follows only one law system, doctrine, creed, discipline. Right? Uh, man-made religions follow man-made doctrines and man-made creeds. Um, therefore, they're very different. Uh, the one true church of the New Testament has only one law system, one doctrine, and only one creed, and uh, that it follows. And you can uh, read about that a little more in 2 Timothy. I'll read it real quick. 3, 
chapter 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Um, nothing, um, nothing man has added uh, can be considered part of Christ's church, right? That, that we can't add anything to it uh, for it to be the church of the New Testament. It, it's, it's fully complete and perfect as it is, and it's described to us in detail uh, scripture. Since Christ is the head of the church, and since he is Lord, um, and since his word is the all-authoritative standard of judgment, Paul said his word governs, uh, his word alone governs the teaching and practice of his church. The Bible is verbally inspired, which means what? It's God-breathed, right? This is not from man. Um, the Bible is not to be added to, taken away from, or modified in any way. And the Bible alone makes us complete and thoroughly equipped, as we said a minute ago, for every good work in 2 Timothy. Therefore, the one true church will hear Christ and only him. Matthew, let's see, Matthew 17, I want to read that one real quick. Matthew 17, 5. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Right? So it's 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 still it, it, it's all we're all we're hearing the same message repeatedly that it, there is one church. It's established, um, you know, by Christ upon Christ. Uh, we know when it was done, we know whose name it bears, and we know who is the only lawgiver uh, and, um, that, that, that the church has, and that's Jesus Christ. Um, the one true church will continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. The one true church, true church will only speak as the oracles of God, and the one true church will do all and say all by the authority of Christ. Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God, to God the Father through him. So, if the church teaches more than the New Testament, if a church teaches more than the New Testament, what's that tell you about that church? Right, it's teaching too much. It's not the true church. If a church uh, creed teaches less than the New Testament, then it's teaching too little. It's not the church. If a church creed teaches different than the New Testament, it's an error. It's not the church. And if a church teaches the same as the New Testament, what is that? If, that's right. You think about that two ways. If it teaches the same as the New Testament, that's us. But if it's also, if you think of it this way, if it's teaching the same as the New Testament and it's a denomination teaching the same as the New Testament, then it's not needed. It's, there's no need for it because uh, we already have, uh, we have the Bible. So you're right. The church of the new, if it teaches the same, that's that's what that's what the church is that we belong to. Anything else that calls it calls itself by a different name or you know a different founder or whoever it was built upon, trying to teach the same things as the New Testament, then it's it's just not needed because we already have it. Um, the next identifying mark: the church is organized according to scriptural guidelines. First of all, anybody got any questions or comments so far to this point? Comments more than questions. And, right. That's right. Nobody else paid a price like Jesus paid for the church. 
Um, the next, um, the next mark, uh, organized according to scriptural guidelines. Can anybody describe that? Anybody want to take a stab at uh, some ideas of how the, uh, the the church is organized according to scriptural guidelines? That's right. There's no earthly headquarters. It's headquarters in heaven. What else? One head. One head. Church has one head. Only one head. Right? Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. That's right. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I mean, that's pretty basic right there. Um, what else? One head. One headquarters, which is in heaven, not on earth. That's right. Um, congregations of the church are autonomous. You can find that in Acts 14:23. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. Right. Perfect. Uh, so one head, headquartered in heaven. The churches, the congregations of the church are autonomous. What else about the congregations? They have elders, right? Uh, elders, you know, more than one. A plurality of elders. Remember that. Uh, what else besides elders does the church have as far as organization? That's right. It's made up of Christians. Deacons. That's right. The church has deacons. First um, Timothy 3, 8 through 13. I won't read that one. It's, it's lengthy, but if you want to check that out, that's where that is. Um, and then... As far as the other congregations, or yeah, as far as congregations are concerned, they have elders, they have deacons. What else? Meet on the first day of the week. Yep, take the Lord's Supper. Give of their means. Sing. I love it. Pray. Preach. That's part of the organization that I wanted to say when it comes to the scriptural guidelines is preachers. They have, we, have, we have preachers, right, that preach the gospel. Um, and we'll, do, uh, we'll get into some of these a little more. You all had uh, much more um, answers on there than, than I had uh, here, uh, and I think that's great. Um, but yes, so the church is organized according to scriptural guidelines. So it has one head. It has a heavenly headquarters. Uh, the congregations are autonomous. They're uh, over, overseen by a plurality of elders. They also have deacons in place and um, preachers to preach the gospel. Um, and so if there is a church that someone is referring to that does not have this same organization, uh, this structure, uh, it's not the true church. Questions, comments, thoughts? Corrections. All right. The next one. Two more to get through. The church worships as authorized by the New Testament. So some of these are the things that you all were mentioning a minute ago. And we said the church follows the standard of worship, right? It's God's standard, not man's standard. The Church of Christ meets on, who said that? The first day of the week? Russell said that? First day of the week. Um, Partakes of the Lord's Supper. Uh, the church worships through prayer. Uh, church uh, worships through congregational singing. I mean, you all are right on it. Uh, it's giving as personally prospered, and it preaches the gospel. 
those are how the churches, the church of the New Testament is authorized um, to worship. So any church that is not worshiping in these ways is not authorized, uh, is, is, not, is not the true church. Any thoughts about that? I've not been to a whole lot of other um, congregations or denominations. I may have gone with my grandmother at one time to a Baptist church or something, but uh, that would have been so long ago I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have remembered or been paying attention anyway. Um, but when you grew, if you grow up in the church of Christ, I'm sure it seems simple. It seems like it, it, it is what it is. Like that's, that's, the, that's the reality of it. And it seems so easy to understand. Um, and then when you come into the church, you start to see the differences, um, you know, of different denominations or, uh, you know, not having religion at all. Uh, you start to recognize how easy it is to understand what the truth is because it's written right there plain as day in the Bible. You almost, you, you, have, to, you have to consciously choose to ignore it or to, to do something different. And again, that just means that you're more worried about self. But I, I just feel like, you know, it's hard for me to wrap my head around it sometimes that people who are religious don't see it. Um, but we can talk about that again in a second. The last one, the last identifying mark of the church. Uh, it has clear and universal scripture terms of entrance. And what do I mean by that? Clear and universal and scriptural terms of entrance. That's right. Is there any other way in? No other way in. Is that hard? That's, just, that's the hard part. That's right. The how you're going to be afterwards when you when you once you're baptized. How do you how do you live afterwards? That's the hard part. And of course, we're never going to be perfect. But that's the beauty of, of what Christ has done for us and his sacrifices. You know, they, he, God knew we weren't going to be perfect, but he provided us a way out. That's true. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I think my point is um, not so much that um, it's, not a, it's not difficult once you make that decision of how you're going to change your lifestyle, the things you're going to have to sacrifice. It's the path that is there. It's not, it, it's, the work's been done for us. It's, and we just have to just follow and believe and obey. And then the hard part comes. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, for the conclusion, I want to uh, just run through that real quick. So 30 seconds, you know, it, it, it can be challenging uh, for those that are not members of the church to identify the one true church. And that can be us, and that can be how we help other people. Is if, as long as we know what it is that we believe and what our faith is built on and the church that we belong to, uh, we can provide that for them. We, we have to have people, we have to be, and, and they have to be thinking outside uh, denominational structure um, and realize that denominations are not according to God's plan. Um, uh, they're according to man's plan. And that uh, the church was that Jesus purchased and established in the New Testament does still exist today. Um, and since the church still exists today, it's our job to search for it and to identify it. Uh, and the church is a divine institution with a unique identity, and there is only the one church, right? 
Um, something, I, I, quick notes that I want to mention is yeah, some things that I thought about during this study was, you know, we need to think about the impact that the people before us have had on our faith and how it might have led us to become uh, Christians. And a lot of people don't have that in their life. They don't have a Christian example. They don't have uh, someone that comes into their life to teach them and show them the right way. But us knowing who we are in the church we belong to, we can be that for other people. Uh, but we have to we have to reach out to them. So you know, again, we know what the identifying marks are of our church. We need to keep those in mind and have the confidence that our faith in our church is scriptural, uh, and we can go out and, and help win more souls and bring people to us. Thank you for class. Next week will be um, Clint telling us about the organization of the church. <laughs>